This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. I know where we're going today uh, because Jesus, uh, my, my eyes on him, and I have complete joy in, in seeing that, that he's taken us there. Um, and I, I want you all to, uh, to join faith in that. And, and that's kind of one of the things that is developing already from my uh, time last weekend uh, with uh, the gang that was here for the Reformers Gathering is, uh, is how connected we are, um, how we are on a journey together. Um, and, and we really don't fully realize all that we have. I mean, Paul would say that we, we haven't yet fully comprehended how di- deep and wide and, and uh, high the love of God is for us. And so I, I want you to join me. I'm, I'm going there today. And, and if you join with me in your faith, we're, we're going to get there together. And, and that's really the best I could say um, at this point. Um, for those that weren't with us at the Reformers Gathering, uh, I want you to know that you didn't miss anything. We were there for you. There's there's a theology we're not going to get into today, uh, but we were there for you, so you did not miss anything. All right. I mean, if you remember uh, Moses on the mountain, we went up there with uh, some of the elders. The Spirit came, and then down in the camp, the Spirit came. You know, when the Spirit came upon the apostles, and it went out into the Jerusalem and then out to the Gentiles when they went out that way. You're, you're with us. We're with you. We're one with one another. And where Jesus is, we are there. And where we are, Jesus is there. Right? Right? That's a big deal. And so today we're going to join with him and where he's leading all of us. And so I'm going to pray. Father... Father, there's a, there's a sea that has split already today, and, and we, we've already walked through it. And, and Lord, by, by faith, Lord, all of us today are being pulled into this new land that's out there for us. And Lord, the, the, the new land is actually a step. You know, it, it's the process of taking a step that is the new land, that the, the faith that we join with you, Jesus, the place of openness with you is the promised land, the, the, the trust that we have, Lord. And, and so, Lord, I ask that you'd release and unpack this time right now. Uh, Lord, I, I, I'm so thankful, so thankful to you, Jesus, that you are our leader, and you've laid a foundation for us that is bedrock solid strong. And so all of us have found a home in you. And so, Lord, right now, because you're here, Lord, invite us afresh into a deeper area and deeper revelation of your home in us. All of it, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you would spare no expense right now and point it out. Oh, Lord, this more so, Lord, thank you. <laughs> Lord, uh, Lord, I, I just call forth within every person's spirit right now to, to come fully, fully alive and fully awake, Lord, um, as if their thoughts and their understanding are exactly one right now with their heart, uh, that there's no discontinuity, Lord, between what they believe and what they experience. Lord, I just call all that, Lord, to be one. Body, soul, spirit, Lord, all one right now. Lord, just as you have made all things held together in Jesus, Lord, I ask that all of that right now would become manifestly one in this space, Father, where there's people that at times have tried to grasp and felt like they can't right now. Lord, I ask that that would now be removed. 
uh, where people have tried to feel like they, they, they've searched to comprehend and they haven't experienced, Lord, let that now be removed. Remove disappointment, Lord. Remove unbelief, Lord. pull us into right now what Jesus you bought for us. Fully realize it, Lord. You're a father. Lord, and your heart is to have that communion with us. Right now, pull us into that place. All of it, Lord. I want every bit of what Jesus paid for. Holy Spirit. Ah, Lord, okay. That's good. Thank you, Father. All right, so... So one of the things that that happened this past uh, weekend, there was an apostolic release. We see in the scriptures how the apostles and the prophets, they laid a foundation, you know, for all of us to build upon. The cornerstone is Jesus, and then the apostles and the prophets, their job is to lay a foundation for us to walk upon, okay? So what was released in this house this weekend was a a foundation. It was grown. It was strong. John was one that released it as well. He was one of the the apostolic voices that if you guys receive from him, you're receiving a fuller foundation, a stronger foundation, because he's got that voice. He's got that calling to strengthen your foundation in this place. So all the prophets in this house. And so what happened, what I was experiencing over the course of the weekend was that I, I couldn't process. I couldn't understand all that was happening. And over this last week, the spirit, the anointing teaches us all things. And so where before I went to go step from what I used to know, now it wasn't quite as steady as it used to be because the foundation was more sure actually over here. And so there were thoughts that I would begin to have, and suddenly I now know that that thought is a different thought. I need to find where that new thought is. I need to find out where the new foundation has given me permission now to fully understand Jesus. So the anointing teaches us all these things. And so when there's a release of the apostolic foundation that we receive, that all of us get to experience together, our job is to take a look at that and then let it, let it saturate, work out the salvation with fear. Like, let, our, let your entire conscience be nimble now to understand where this doesn't feel quite like it used to. There's something new that you've released here. What is that, God? And so, you know, for the process of the weeks ahead, that's going to be at times journaling. But I want you guys to feel the permission to feel a little uneasy and yet at the same time confident that the course of trajectory that you guys are now walking in is right and it's good. And that's one of the things that will confront us, right? When you get a new revelation, there's this thought that pops in like, oh, no, am I being deceived? It sounds too good to be true. Let me assure you that what happened this past weekend and what is happening now in this house is better than you can possibly imagine. And so that uneasiness that you feel, that anointing that was released, that fresh foundation that was laid, the strength of it, as you begin to step your foot out onto it, it might feel a little uneasy at first. But let your foot get settled. So this is why Paul would say, the writer of Hebrews would say, strengthen those weak knees because what has been released is good. You're coming from an old thing to a new thing. And when you step into that new thing, strengthen yourself, strengthen one another in it. So as that revelation is released in your heart and you pull it out to someone else, that strengthens their knees as well to be able to step formal on that foundation. That's why what is happening to us is happening to you because as we step out into it, it is released out into you as well. And so we're going to continue to pull one another into this as we strengthen our own knees and steps and feet into this. And so at times, there's going to be an emotion that pops up. You know, where at once you could, you know, uh, you were used to walking into your room and, and, uh, and before you felt like, all right, I'm just going to have to deal with this uneasiness. I'm going to have to deal with maybe my insecurity. Now you're going to notice that it's not there anymore. And you're going to be like, oh, what do I do now? How do I act? 
in this kingdom way? How do I act now according to the promises? How do I act now according to all the riches that have been given to me? And we're going to have to renew our mind according to that because a, a certain, a sure foundation has been given to you. You're now fully in Christ. You're now fully into the Father. And the other way of thinking is now illegal. And so there's a renewing of our minds that's going to happen from this land and this foundation. And it's really, really, really good. One thing that, uh, amen, one thing that, um, that Harold said that I, uh, I really want us to make sure that we get, and it's, uh, it's, it's a very risky thing. He said that, uh, that, you know, whatever is your will, go for it because it's God's will. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. You, you need to get the teaching. You really need to unpack a little bit because that sounds very blasphemous, and especially from my background saying that, okay? So Paul says in Philippians 2, 13, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who wills and works within you to uh, do according to his pleasure. And what that means is that the deposit that has been given to you is, is the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ himself. And we need to become acquainted with how he is working within us because that is God in us, working himself out in us. And so the context is this. So then, my dear friends, this is uh, the letter of Philippians, Paul's writing. Just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working, and that, that term in the Greek is working is like energeo, it's like energy, it's, it's, it's causing to work, there's a, there's a passion, you know, the, Brian Simmons would translate, there's this, there's this passion now that he's given you that is causing you, is, is pushing you more into his will in all things. All right, and, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel maybe even at first a little bit different than the emotions and the, and the thoughts that you had before that you could step out into and believe that this is good, this is great. It's going to actually feel more full and at times more uncertain. And so I'm just going to develop some language. Uh, so, um, so he's enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose in you there in verse 13. And that desire and that purpose that is in there is a desire that you can experience and that you can feel. When I was growing up, I learned that the things that I would feel were bad. I don't know if it's ever been like that for you. Um, I was a, uh, a very devious one growing up, and, uh, and I was a full end to the world for many years of my life. And so when I uh, met the Lord and got saved, it was for me like, all right, well, everything that I thought I could trust now was completely gone, and, uh, and I, uh, everything that led me uh, astray, you know, was going to lead me to death, I can't trust any longer. And then there was the, Bible, the, the, the scripture verses, Jeremiah 17, which says that the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, who can trust it? And so I was like, yeah, that's me. That's, that's me. I can't trust anything that I feel anymore. If I hold on to that and believe that, how am I going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God who is in me with his desires? How am I going to know my desires from him? And like, if I believe that that is bad, like, what if I am feeling his passion in me? Yes. And, that's, uh, and I, I condemn that because I believe that that's mine, right? So let me, let me like, make sure that this is set in us, right? Let's make sure that this is solid because I, I, want to, I want to step firmly on this foundation that we've been given this past weekend. Are you guys with me with that? All right, I mean, we want to run far. We want to run fast. We want to run unwavering, and, and we're not going to stop. I mean, we've got a, a mandate to bring all the kingdom to earth, and we're not going to stop for anything, okay? And I don't want to stop for guilt and for shame. I don't want to stop for condemnation, all right? Ugh, we got it going. All right, so... All right, so Jeremiah chapter 17. Let's literally get into that verse, uh, and I want to... I want to rip it apart and make sure that we are all convinced as to who we are in Christ. <clears throat> so, 
If you guys would please turn to Jeremiah 17, because it is, uh, it is a, a, a wonderful passage. It's, it's brought so much life to me over the years. We're going to start with verse 5. And if you notice, if you're a student of the Scriptures, which you guys all are, the Scriptures are actually living inside of you. So, you know, you, you guys, if you're a student of yourself, you're a student of the Scriptures. And as you understand yourself, you understand God because God is in you, working out all things. And so as you read the Scriptures, you'll find yourself. And all right, so Psalm 1 and Jeremiah verse 5 are parallel passages. They, they talk about the same thing. And they talk about how, where to put your trust, where not to put your trust. In verse 5, that the man who trusts in mankind, who makes human flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord, is cursed. He will be like a, a juniper in the Arabah. He cannot see when good comes, but dwells in the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land where no one lives. That doesn't sound fun. The man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence or trust indeed is the Lord, is blessed. Pause for that for a second. We, we, we know we've been taught before to trust in the Lord. But if our trust is the Lord, right. you know, where's the end part? Where do we step in if there's no end? He's just there in us. Showing us that these ideas of union have been there the whole time. Okay. He will be like a, the one who trusts is the Lord. He will uh, be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when he comes. <laughs> and its foliage remains green. It will not worry, this person will not worry um, in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Should drought come upon the land, and we ourselves have learned this lesson, where are people who are going to find water? in you okay you're the hope of glory for all those who don't yet know him okay now this is the part that I really want to hammer in here so verse 9 of Jeremiah 17 the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable who can understand it okay so the uh, the Hebrew word there just to get a little technical, for heart is the word uh, love. And, uh, and it doesn't simply mean, you know, your heart. It means everything going on inside of you, which most often actually means your mind. You know, so you can also say your mind is deceitful of all things. You know, your, your mind and your, your heart are a, a deceitful of all, all things. And so this was Jeremiah's reality as he looked and he understood in communion with God or and in, in seeing who God was, he saw that his heart was deceitful above all things and his, his mind and all that that was there. And it, it's interesting because when I discovered that in the, the, the Hebrew language, that that often means first your mind, I was like, well, why does it say heart? Because, you know, I'm used to like our feelings are bad, but this also says like our, our, our thinking is bad. And I, I began to see that, you know, is there a bias at times in our nation, in our country, in our culture about, you know, the mind over the heart and that kind of stuff? And, and I, I've landed on some really helpful places with that that are, that, are, that are some opinions. I do believe that at times we elevate the mind over, the, over our emotions. And I think that the wisdom of God is actually in emotions. Um, and, and, and we work it out sometimes with our mind. And 
I'll get to that at another time probably. But what I want to hit at here is that, you know, both are, are at play here. And so when I first read this, I might be thinking, yeah, of course, that's me. I mean, like I, I sinned, I messed up. I mean, I, I went the wrong way. I tried to do what I thought was right. It was wrong. And I got myself into so much trouble. And, uh, and then I read about the law in Romans chapter 7. And I'm like, yeah, I can't help myself. I'm a sinner. And this, this makes total sense for me. Bummer. <laughs> Jesus, save me, and then one day when you come back, I'll be able to have fullness of life, and that'll be great. I, Yahweh, examine the mind. I test the heart to give, to give each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. All right, and then he goes down a little bit further. And then in verse 14, Jeremiah is sitting with this in the context of the Lord, and, and he, he prays this radical prayer. And I want you guys to, to, to experience the weight of this prayer because what he's about to pray here is, is for you and it's realized in Jesus and it's yours right now. And there's nothing that can separate you from having this prayer already answered, okay? Because, I mean, listen to what he says in verse 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved. For you are my praise. You are my trust. You are my praise. There's a union that he sees in this, and in that union with God, he sees that his heart can be totally healed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> totally saved. This is a revelation in the Old Covenant, 680-something years maybe before that, of Jesus even revealing himself to us. And, and here he is saying, heal me right now. And, and, and that which I've acknowledged, that, you know, listen, I, I see that this is deceitful, Bubba. Well, I don't have to see it that way anymore. I, I, can, I can let that go into to your hands and, and become renewed. You guys have faith for that, that that's, that's what's going on. And, and, and so Jeremiah picks up, this is actually a prayer that, J, that David prayed in, uh, in Psalm 51. If you're familiar with that psalm, he had, uh, he had said, um, clean, uh, create within me a clean heart. Create within me a clean heart. Yeah. Create within me a clean heart. So David prayed that 300 or 400 years before what Jeremiah is praying, Ezekiel picks this up, and he, uh, he hears from the Lord. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water in you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and move you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. God wills and works within you according to his good pleasure. Didn't Paul just say that? And Ezekiel is saying the exact same thing here. It was not yet realized. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes along and every sin, every part of the heart that would become gross, sinful, mistaken, deceitful, all those things are placed fully upon him. And he says, I will take all of that upon myself. And then in you believing in me, I'll give you all of this now. All of it. I know these things maybe you've heard before, but we're going we're to build upon this because the union of that heart now with who you really are in fullness is exceedingly important for you to realize if you're going to walk and run fast with the Lord, with the horses. <clears throat> Amen. All right, so I want to see how Jesus first begins to carry this out in Mark 10. 
because this applies directly to how we see ourselves and then see one another. In Mark 10, Jesus, again, so Jesus, he, he gets this. He knows that wherever he goes, he's, he's perfect and he's flawless. He walks into situations and people are accusing him you know, of, of, uh, you know, of blasphemy, of calling himself God, of calling himself a son of God. And that really offends people that want to believe that they're not on equal terms with God because here's a man that's saying, I'm on equal terms with God. He emptied himself every day and that made him equal, but then he was filled with God. You also, in trusting in Jesus, you are filled with God. You are made one and Again, this is, this is things that are, are, are difficult to say. Like, you're made one and equal with God. You're a son and a daughter of God himself. That doesn't mean you are God. Okay? I mean, like, I, I, I understand where to give honor, all right? I understand who's boss. I understand who gets the glory. I, I get that. I'm just trying to tell you that you're a bride and you're one with him. And so because of that, everything, therefore, that is Christ is in you is also one. So you are given all the privilege to your co-heirs. So when I put that out there, Jesus received that and it was offensive to the people. And then how did his disciples respond? In verse 35 of chapter 10, <laughs> then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached Jesus and said, teacher, we want you to do something for us if we ask you. And I love that. You know, I love that they just, you know, they, they just come up to Jesus and they ask, you know, hey, we want, we want you to give us something. And, uh, and, and y'all can ask Jesus whatever you want, all right? As we read through this passage, you can ask him whatever you want. Because <laughs> you're about to receive what, what they ask for. It's fun. All right, what do you want me to do for you? He asked them. And they answered him, allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. We don't yet, we don't know the heart behind uh, James and John in this. And I, I want to sit right next to Jesus. I want to sit with him in all of his glory. I don't want to miss out on anything like that. I, I hope that that's a, that's a cry of your heart. I mean, think about who God is. You know, he, 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 is, he is the maker. He's the creator. If you can sit with him, then, then maybe you get a chance to see how his genius created a supernova, you know? And you get to see how, you know, color is in his eyes. And, and you get to see strength and experience strength that has no weakness uh, and, and love that has no fear, no, has com- no competition. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are, are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism, baptism I baptize with? And they answered uh, him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, you will drink me, uh, the, the cup that I drink, and you'll be baptized with the baptism I am baptized, baptized, uh, baptized with. And that's the baptism of suffering. It's the, the cup of suffering, you know, that we, that we take with him. We, we, we are, we're, Lord, we're willing to experience everything that you experience because of all that's in you. I said, yes, that you guys are willing to do that. But to sit at my right hand or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those it has been prepared. And so... Uh, one, one other verse. When the other ten disciples heard this, they be, uh, began to become indignant with James and John. So again, you know, we, we don't know why they asked what they asked for. Well, you know, and, it, and it's interesting, like what might come up if you heard James and John ask, "Hey, like, let me sit at your right hand or left hand," because it does seem like maybe they were wanting to rule. And Jesus affirms this, at least that. The ten believed that that's what their motivation was because Jesus answered and says, you know those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles dominate them and their men of high position exercise power over them. But it must not be like that for you. And so Jesus, you know, he, he kind of addresses the problem that the ten disciples have, which is, you know, if, if you're going to ask for glory, 
if you're going to ask to sit at my, th- my, my right hand and my left hand, then the ten disciples are assuming that that means that they want to dominate and rule over everyone else according to the way that the world looks. Because they had faith to see that, Jesus, you're going to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. That, that's who you are. And so I kind of like that idea. I want to rule over people. But it upsets me that James and John are wanting the same thing here. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm angry about that. You know, I want power. I want to be able to lord it over. Because that was their only concept of you know, what being a king was like at that point. And so the ten disciples, they heard that request, and they thought of the heart that was in them at that point. They thought of a heart that was sinful and deceitful, and they said, well, that would therefore mean that they're going to be lording over, they're going to be kings that we know of, that we can think of, that we can conceive of at this point according to our heart and what we've seen so far played out over the course of human history. That's not how Jesus, therefore, approached James and John. If you go back in the passage, he did not say, hey guys, like, you know, it's not, that's not cool. You can't ask to lord over people. Like, I know your heart. I know that what you want is sinful. He didn't approach them according to a sinful heart. Jesus looked at James and John, their request, and he looked at them according to what Jeremiah is talking about, according to a, a healed heart. You guys tracking with that a little bit? Uh, it must not be like that according to you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he follows this up in John chapter 13, where he takes off his garment and, and washes the feet and serves. And so he shows them what true power looks like. So James and John come up. They ask for glory. They ask for the ability to rule, and the ten disciples, and maybe you and me at some point too, would be like, all right, that seems a little presumptuous, that seems a little pompous, that seems like a little ambitious. I want that too. (laughs) And we might judge ourselves even according to that. Like, oh, I would never ask for that. (laughs) Because I'm so humble. And Jesus doesn't address that. He, 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 He does in a second, but he doesn't first address that. He first says, hey, listen, like, you know, do, you, do you think you can do what I do you know, um, you know, to, to have all that glory? And they're like, yeah, you do that. Well, he's like, all right, I, I bless you to do that, and you will, but I can't tell you what you're going to have. But I want to honor your heart and what you're seeking after in that. How many times does a, a friend or a kid or a colleague come up to you, and they've got a request or they do something, and our first response is to be like, that's ambitious, that's prideful of you, that is rotten, that, that, how can you do that? How much more would it be like Jesus to consider one another according to the Spirit now, this new heart, except, but not according to the flesh? We might have discernment that says, all right, well, I mean, you're seeking glory. But what is the Spirit, you know, glory in an unhealthy way, uh, but what is the Spirit actually saying to, the, to you about that person? And can we ask the question, or can we get to the heart of what Jesus is getting at with one another? Can we see one another in this family, in this community, according to what the Spirit is actually doing right now? Can we see our kids according to that? I mean, how many times, Elizabeth, do our kids come up and, and they ask us for certain things, and our first response is, not again, not again. How could you ask this thing again? And, and you, you, you ask them, like, what's going on in your heart? And they're like, I just want to be able to give this thing to, the, to my sister. And you're like, oh, man, I, I had no idea. Like, like, they come sometimes with genuinely wonderful desires. And we miss it because we're automatically assuming that they're after a hard, bad thing. 
And, and so, you know, Jeremiah 17, like, do we see one another according to the deceitfulness of their hearts that is now dead and put on the cross of Jesus Christ? Or do we see one another now according to the new heart that has been given to one another? And can we see ourselves in that same way? You, you guys can think of examples like this, right? You know, when, uh, you know, the, when you have, a, you, you have a genuine thing that you want to give uh, to someone, and, uh, and it's automatically, when you, when you give it, misunderstood and misrepresented. And they, they, don't, they don't understand. They don't give, maybe, maybe you work some long hours at work, you know, and maybe you gave a gift to uh, someone that you're dating, and they, they totally don't see the heart behind it. And, and then you kind of feel like, oh, that's rotten. Am I, am I bad? Did, did, did I miss something on that as well? And so we can also begin to judge ourselves based on these things. How much more if we saw one another and asked what is actually going on in your heart and be like, hey, listen, I thank you so much for that request. I really appreciate that. And then get to the heart of it. I, I preached uh, last uh, month about, um, you know, the, 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 the bitter wells turned into sweet waters at the pools of Meribah. And it's one where I, I just want you guys to go back to that and, and over and over again, courageously seek after the, those wells within you. Because what happens when James and John ask that question? They get, therefore, reproach, or therefore they get condemnation from their friends. What are they going to feel, potentially, they, they may feel disappointment. They may feel rejection. They may feel under, misunderstood. They may feel a well within them coming up now to the surface. Once that well has come up to the surface and it feels bitter and it feels gross, it feels like, oh, man, they're, 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 they're missing my heart on this. We are given permission now to know that that's not true of us any longer and to sit in the well, look at Jesus, and ask him to go into that, that well, go into that room of our heart, and now make that thing sweet. Now, now affirm us. Now, James and John, like you're, you're not seeking after, you know, prideful, vain glory and ambition. Uh, I honor your heart to be with me where I am in glory. And because of that, I, I call you my, my own. I, you're truly a son because that, that desire is awesome. That seeing you feel that, that that's who I am. The, the other way gets cut off because, you know, we see that that's not who we are. And then we reject that. But if we're willing to sit with that, then it offers us and affords us the chance to become like Christ. All right, so where am I going to go with that? Keep talking to me a little bit. All right, so we go with Jeremiah 17. And then if we follow it up a little bit in Romans 7, I want to continue on with this because we at times as believers can settle for a lesser reality. We can kind of get stuck in some waters. We can kind of get stuck in, stuck in some bitterness. We can get stuck seeing ourselves according to how people used to see us, all right? So, you know, in my sinful past, I, I did a lot of things that were ungodly. I would go hang out with friends from the past, and they, did, they didn't know I was transformed. They didn't know I was changed. And suddenly, they're, they're asking the same, hey, let's do the same kind of things, you know, uh, you know and I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down with that anymore. And, uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, you are. And, and you can feel their faith in who I was is stronger at times than my faith in who I am. And, and that's, that's not true. I mean, and so there is wisdom at times of pulling yourself out of those circumstances until you get faith that's strong enough in that. But what I want for all of you as a community to know that your faith in who God says you are is going to be stronger and is stronger than who others say you are. And so it's, it's, it's on us as a community to really see one another according to who we really are in the spirit and not according to the flesh. And so this is a prophetic house. We build a foundation not only for the house, but for one another. And so I give you permission when you see one another in the spirit, call it out. When people are coming into this place, they don't know who they are. They need to hear a voice from the Lord that says, this is who I see you to be. Because everyone else in the world is saying, no, this is who I think you are. 
And, and that's, that's part of being a family. That, that's part of what it means. I, I'm with you, you're with me. Where you go, I go. Where I go, you go. Where I go in the faith, you're going to come with me. Where you go in the faith, I, you're, I'm going to go with you. And as a result of that, if, if one is exalted, I'm exalted. If you're suffering, I'm going to be suffering too. I want to know what's causing you to suffer because I want to pull you into what it is that means to have a new heart in Christ. This is the kind of culture that we are creating here. This is what our small groups, this is what it's going to be like to be in our community. We're not going to settle for who you were. We're going to settle for who you are and pull you into the fullness of that. Okay, so, and, uh, yeah, God. Uh, all right, there's some passages that can get tripped up. Jeremiah 17 is one. Romans 7 is another, okay? Sometimes we can get into this habit of just believing, well, you know, I'm a broken vessel, and I'm going to stay broken. And as a Christian community, what we're going to do is that we're going to accept you in your brokenness and keep you in your brokenness and be okay with that. I love accepting people in their brokenness. You are always welcome in family. I do not want you to stay in brokenness. Okay? In Jeremiah 2, there's a broken vessel that leaks water because of the idolatry of the heart. In Philippians 2, they got that right. Paul says that we have these treasures in jars of clay. There's no leak any longer. Okay? We have these treasures in jars of clay. Our job with one another is to form our vessels to become whole, and no longer broken, to be just like Jesus. As Jesus is in the world, so also are you in the world, okay? There's no shame in being broken right now. I want you to hear that. I'm pulling you into, and we're going to pull you together into wholeness, though. It requires you to leave behind your brokenness. It feels good sometimes to know that your, uh, your broken heart is comforted by the Lord, and you don't want to give that up. Let it go. Your broken heart will always be comforted by the Lord to strengthen you into what he has for you in the future. Okay? You can always, you can always be, receive the comfort from the Lord at all times. You can always get healed, you know, always, so that you can go and share the light with Christ without restriction, okay? Romans 7, please track with this. All right, Romans 7. Um, so Paul, he's talking about the, the power of sin and the law and what it did, and, he, and it seems like he's having this you know, wrestling match within himself, and it seems like he's a bit schizophrenic with, with who he is. And so, and it's true. So in verse 13, therefore, uh, did what is good cause my death? Absolutely not. On the contrary, so the law, did it cause my death? No. On the contrary, sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am made out of flesh. Sold into sin's power. All right, so Paul says that he is a slave to sin in that case. Is that true? Come on, guys. Okay. In Christ, are we slaves to sin? Okay, so this is a past tense event. All right? In, in, in all the 2,000 years of church interpretive history of this passage, people are split on this. I'm telling you, this has to do with your past. All right? You can argue with me about that if you want to. I'm telling you, you're not slaves to sin. Paul is talking about the experience that we have before the Lord, and sometimes as we work out of the world and work out our salvation, but this is a past statement. You're no longer a slave to sin. I'll prove it to you. We, we go down, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. Okay. For, uh, verse 15. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. And if you do what I do not uh, want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. 
So now I no longer am the one doing it, but is sin living in me. So it seems like sin is this entity that has control over him. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. Again, that sounds like Jeremiah 17, right? The deceitful heart, the deceitful mind. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in the flesh. However, that's not who we are anymore. For the desire to do what is good is within me, but there is no ability to do it. That's not true for who we are in Christ. I just want to say that over and over and over again, all right? These are passages that can trip us up. There's a point to what Paul is getting at. In verse uh, 20, now if, we, if I do what is right, um, if I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but it is sin that lives within me. So I discover the principle, when I want to do what is good, evil is with me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man am I. Jeremiah 17. Who will rescue me from this dying body? Who will save me? Who will heal this heart? Jeremiah 17. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, <laughs> with my mind, I am myself a slave to the law of God now. But with my flesh, the law of sin. So we no longer consider ourselves according to the sin, according to the flesh. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those who are in Christ Jesus because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. You are free, friends. All right, and, and this culture right now that we're in, everyone wants you to feel included in your brokenness. And, and I'm telling you, that is a lie. And, and, and everyone wants to say you are powerless over it. You can't help yourself. You, you can't help it. It's what it means to be human. Sorry, there was the, the, the first Adam was fallen human. The second Adam is a new creation. It's a new, new, new humanity. You are a new creation. You are a new humanity. The old has passed away. The zombie thing that's been going on these past 10, 15 years, it is a prophecy that many among us are walking dead. But there are those who are really alive in Christ. Do you guys see that? <clears throat> oh, that's good. You are a new creation. You have power over sin in Jesus Christ. <sighs> so the lie that has been out there that are feelings, that are thoughts, that they're deceitful, that you can't trust in them is dead. It's a lie. We are working that out, okay, over time. And so there are things that come upon us, that there are feelings that we have, that if we, you know, if we act out on that, it's going to be sinful. That's not good. I'm not giving a stamp on everything that's, that, that comes through your heart and your mind, as, as Harold was saying. However, you are one with Jesus. His thoughts are your thoughts. His heart is your heart now. Can we work this out together as a community, believing that in the end we will be perfect? We will be whole, as he says he is. Be whole, be perfect, as my Father in heaven is perfect. Can we, can we live? Can, uh, let me ask you this. <laughs> Have you lived before in your life five seconds without sinning? Have you ever gone five seconds without sinning? Okay. Have you ever gone a minute? All right. Can we go a day? Can we as a community go a week? <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> Do you guys see what's possible here? All right, what are we aiming at, friends? Jesus. This is how he walked in this earth. I give you the spirit. I, I, okay, so I sanctify myself so that you will be sanctified. Paul says, I, I'm storing up in my body that which you lack. We, in, in community together, all right, we, we work it out and then you benefit. 
Death is at work in us, so that life is at work in you. All right, so each one of you, whatever victory that you have this week, it's now ours. All right? I mean, and like your, your salt and, and, and your light, whatever is yours is mine and mine is yours. And so we're, we're, going, to, we're going to go in the faith and we're going to bring you along with us. I need to know where you're going to so I can have what you have. And so we, we gather together uh, and have meals and we talk about what it is that the Lord has done in our life. We, we talk about what he's overcome and suddenly that's imparted into us. I got something this past weekend that I don't even know how to work out at this point. They're like whatever Harold, whatever John, whatever Jason, whatever Bill have worked out themselves, I got Oh, and it's good news. Whatever Jesus worked out, it is yours. That's why there's nothing that can stop us. If God is for you, who can be against you, right? Ah, there's more. I think that that's... Well, we can go. All right, so let's just keep on playing. All right, so... <laughs> All right, so when, 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 we encounter, um, when we encounter a desire within us that, that as you read through the scriptures, and, and you have to read through the scriptures, when, when you read through the word of God, you know, you're going to see passages that pop up. Like I was, uh, I was telling Craig and Edwina this week that uh, when I first started reading the scriptures, it would talk about how I, I rejoice in the morning. I, I rejoice always for the Lord. And I, wake, I, would, I would read that. I'm like, <laughs> I don't have any clue why, why someone would rejoice over Jesus in the morning. That sounds like, I'm tired. I'm, I don't know what that's about. But if it's there for me, I want that. You know, I wake up tired and groggy, you know, and then there was a time where I would wake up sad, depressed, anxious, overwhelming. And so I would say, Jesus, like, wake me up joyful. So I, I would sit in that, that darkness, in that, that, that bitter pool, and through the confidence now that I have in the scriptures, that is true, that's right. I could sit in any pool and it not affect me. It's like, all right, well, this one I'm feeling right now I might feel despair and, ugh. But this says that I can have joy. So Jesus, I believe you. Show that to me. Let's go after this. Is there a reason why that's there? Is it because of me or is this the enemy? Either way, I'm, I'm going to sit right here and I know that the darkness is as light to you. And so, you know, help me to dance here. Help me to wait with you here. Help me to run with you here. And so we, we track... You know, we track our emotions through what the scriptures say, and we want the, the positive. We want the good at all times. And so we, whenever we encounter that negative, and, and it's going to happen in the context of relationship, we pause, we stop, we wait. So, you know, uh, Paul says, take every thought captive. Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world. Peter says, do not be conformed by the passions of the flesh. And so I'm going to take that and say, all right, well, I can take also passions captive. I can take my emotions captive along with my thoughts, and I'll, I'll, I'll let them come through my, my heart and my mind, and I'll grab them. I'm like, all right, what is this? Is this from you, Lord? And uh, I, I, I'm not going to control it, but I, I want to. to I don't, I'm not going to judge it, but I'm going to. I'm going to govern it. It's like, oh Lord, this is this is good. This is bad. What is this? I want you to know. I want to know your heart in this because it's you who's working out your good pleasure in me. You, you're, you like want to know what you feel in the middle of this. Yeah. All right. So we sit in those pools that at, at, at first become bitter. But if I consider myself no longer according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, I'm entering pools that they're not. They're not bitter any longer. They're, they're sweet pools. I'm walking into despair, but it's sweet because I say so. Okay, I, 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 I step into any kind of darkness. I step into anxiety, and I'm telling you, you're sweet. And, and, and through this, I'm going to find peace. I'm going to find trust. I'm going to find love. But you're not bitter. You, you are under, that's what John was saying this morning when he got up and he stirred us up and he, and he, he said, what do you have power over? You know, like you declare your atmosphere. Yeah. 
I mean, like, these things sound radically blasphemous at times. It's not true. According to what God has said, we have now the fullness of Christ along within us. What do you want to run with? You know, it's, it's what Edwin started us off with, you know, that, that principle of the fixation. Yes. What are you going to fix your minds on? You know, are you going to fix your mind on the bitterness, or are you going to know that through it there's, there's sweetness? This works out in relationships the same way, okay? Maybe Elizabeth and I are having a discussion, and, uh, and suddenly I begin to feel, you know, just like kind of ratty towards her. I'm like, oh, man, she's gone off about something that I don't agree. And, uh, you know, and, and I really want to just tell her that she's wrong. <laughs> I really want to disagree with her <clears throat> if I'm self-aware. I can pause. <laughs> I can consider her no longer according to the flesh, according to what my flesh, according to the ten disciples. They want to judge. They want to say, oh, you know, look at her. She's going after Bangalore. She's not considering her, not myself. She's thinking about herself on this. Or I can become aware of the spirit within me and say, ah, oh, she's a bride. She's got glorious desires. What is the genesis of this? I bet that's a pure thing. There's sweetness there. What is the sweetness that she's after? I don't see it yet. It may seem bitter right now, but I'm going to go after what is sweet there. What is that? And I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to pause with her. Am I going too fast? Is this good? Okay. So you see how this works out. And, and these are like, you guys, like, we could preach a sermon about each one of these things. It, it takes time, all right? This is fast. And so give yourself grace. When whenever we, we hear a new foundation, we have it established, it's going to feel a little uneasy at first. It's going to take some time getting used to, all right? But step confidently into that uneasiness and that time. And after a while, your knee will become strong. Your leg will become sure. And you can walk out this path with certainty, Okay. But it starts a little bit, a little shaky, kind of a little weird. Is this too good to be true or not? I'm telling you, because I've been there, that it's real. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. We will, we will stop right there. I'll, I'll land a plane there uh, for the sake of our time. We, uh, this is a lot of fun, guys. We, um, what we have happening in this place, it, it's, not, it's not just for us. I was telling AJ over this weekend that it felt like a black hole um, in a good way. Like, uh, you know... <clears throat> A, a black hole has such gravity to it that it attracts everything to it, and nothing can escape it. I felt like what happened this weekend was like this black hole of goodness, of, of the kingdom of heaven, was, like, was, was put here. Remember that, that, that glory, you know, has as one of its definitions, weight, weightiness, you know, heaviness. And so there's a glory that is, that is here, and that's coming in, in greater concentration, that's pulling goodness, that's pulling people also into this goodness. And, and we're ready, y'all. You know, we, we, we are ready. We, we, we're building things, in, in, but, but we're ready because we're saying yes to it. We're, we're ready because we're taking that step through the waters into the promised land. That's readiness. We don't know. We, we have no idea where this is going. <clears throat> but it's good. Yeah. And it looks like Jesus. Yeah. And there's a weight to it, and it's pulling us together. So we can't, uh, we can't lose. We can't miss that out. Woo! All right, so uh, I'm going to pray just a, a blessing of faith for, for this. Um, Mark said, I'm going to pray something else. Father, I, uh, <laughs> I just want to pause right now, Dad. Um, Lord, you tell us that we can be still and know you. We can become still, and that, that word to know is, is have intimacy with, have experience with you. And, and so, Lord, I just want to be still for a moment. And I, I ask that in this place of just being still, you, you're working in us for your good pleasure. You're, you're turning everything into sweetness within us, Lord. And, and so, Lord, I just want to pause right now. And, and Lord, um, raise up our realization 
help us to grasp now you and us. And so if, if, if it's a, a refreshment in our, in our affections, if it's refreshment in, in our, our thinking, I, I just want everyone now, Lord, in this place to, to have a, a complete awareness of you in them and them in you. So Lord, I'm just going to pause and ask you to do that however you want to right now. Father, in specifics, I, I ask now that the most precious I, I ask, Lord, that, that you would reveal your own preciousness, like how precious you are to the very core of who we are. And in that same place, let everyone in here know how precious they are. And, and it's one and the same. Father, in that place, there's, there's rest. Uh, another way of describing rest is a deep satisfaction, kind of you know, like you, you step into a hot tub or you, know, you, you enjoy a meal and, and you're amongst family and friends and, and there's just an, uh, you know, so Lord, as that, as you in them becomes reality, Lord, let, let there not be a rest, an exhaling of, of striving, an exhaling of, of searching. Let, let there be a grounded reality of your existence at rest and join each one of your children here now letting them enjoy you and let that rest be a a weapon let that rest be a peace let that weapon be a, a, a structure a steadfast bedrock now for all of us Lord and out of that rest comes health and healing wholeness and identity Father, thank you, thanks, thanks so much, Lord. Lord, sometimes we cannot describe what it is you're doing. We cannot describe who you are in us. And so in time, I, I do ask for language. I ask for songs. I ask for art. I, I, I ask for businesses. Uh, I ask for creative ideas in, in, in our politics and our justice systems. Lord, I, I ask God that, that, that through working out our salvation from this place of rest, your, your kingdom would become evident in this house through all of us in this region forever. Yeah, Lord, and, and as that happens, I, I ask that there would be a deepening and a deepening of enjoyment of you and, and, and we and you. So Lord, I, I thank you for this time, this message. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. Amen. Uh, I don't know, AJ, we've got some, uh, or someone else jump. Yeah. That's so good. I want, felt like the Lord put something in my spirit just tagging on to the end of what he said. You know what the original lie was that mankind bought into that brought in the curse? It wasn't so much about the trees. That was the problem when they ate of the tree. 
But what did the serpent tell them? If you want to be like God, eat from the tree, the knowledge of fruit and evil. Weren't they created in the image of God? Weren't they already like God? He's been trying to tell the same lie for a really long time. And so one of the things that I felt like the Lord was saying this morning is what David just did was kind of bringing a reset to our thinking. That you are like him. You were created like him. You were designed like him. And it's not a striving. That was really where they messed up because he convinced them for you to be what you already are, you have to do something you don't have to do. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. He convinced them for you to be what she already was, that she had to do something that she didn't have to do. And so all of a sudden, striving was introduced to, to be something that she already was. And so what you're hearing this morning is, is, is very much a reset. It's very much against the grain for what's preached all over the place because it's easier to make people feel small and like a worm and control them than to make powerful people. And sometimes when we, when we feel that, I felt this in the room. Uh, if you've ever been on a boat or out on the ocean or for a long period of time, Tiffany and I, went on a, whenever we've been on cruises, Tiffany's one of these people where she doesn't get seasick, but when she gets off of the boat, having been on the boat for a while, then everything's moving. Because your normal had become unbalanced, and so when you step onto solid ground, it feels like it's moving. And I feel in the room, like, sometimes we're like, oh, it's moving. No, you actually just stepped on solid ground. You've actually become so used to something moving that when you step onto solid ground, you're having to recalibrate. She actually has to wear C-bands off the boat. I'm serious. She has to, for a week after she gets off the boat, has to wear C-bands because she's become so used to moving. And so some of you this morning, it's like, whoa, you're actually on solid ground. He gave you enough scripture to prove it. <laughs> I mean it. I mean it. It was powerful. So let's stand up. I, I just wanted to tag that on because it was so powerful. So uh, prayer team, if you'd come up this morning, there's usually somebody that'll be directing. Who's, who's this guy right here? He's going to be the coordinator. If you want to come forward for prayer, Louie right here, he's going to stand over here and he'll just kind of send you to the right person. Sometimes when we hear a message like this, it really helps to get together with somebody that'll just lock arms with you and say, let's pray through this. Let me, as David said, let me share my strength with you now, and so on. So, Father, I thank you for what's been released in the atmosphere. I pray blessings over David as he's poured his heart out this morning. I pray just continual, Father, that you would open our hearts this morning. That we would just rest in knowing your voice. We would rest in hearing, just feeling the peace of the Lord. We love you, Jesus. I pray blessing over everyone in this place as they go their way this week. Just bless them. Increase revelation. Increase presence everywhere you go. In Jesus' name.